0: You're listening to the Big House Bleachers Podcast.
1: Welcome to episode 10 of the Big House Bleachers Podcast. I'm Michael Smeltzer. I'm here with back-to-back Big Ten champion, Matt Hartwell. How you feeling, Matt? I am feeling like we're Big Ten, back-to-back Big Ten champs, baby. I mean, is there any other feeling? Dude, it is so good to be alive right now. It is so good to be a Michigan Wolverine. And like, there are just so many uh, reasons to be happy if you're a Michigan football fan right now. There's a couple reasons, you know, there's a couple little things, uh, you know, and we'll, we'll get into that are not great you know there were some things that happened this week i feel like the michigan news cycle leading up to this game was was really active and and a lot of a lot going on in the Twitterverse this week right and and uh but you know so we're recording this this uh episode of the pod a little bit later in the day than we normally do and the reason is because the college football playoff rankings came out today uh, we record this pod for anybody listening. We record on Sundays, normally in the morning, but we we wanted to at least know kind of what the positioning was for sure before we before we talked about it. And uh, sure enough, we got our top four. We got number one Georgia, number one Michigan, number three TCU, and number four Ohio State. So that's a Georgia Ohio State semifinal and a Michigan TCU semifinal. Um, Matt, do you think the committee got it right? You know,
0: I uh, I do think the committee got it right for all intents and purposes. I was really high on USC uh, going into this weekend. USC let me down. I will never put my faith in uh, the Pac-12 again. I mean, USC is, I guess, Big Ten property going forward here in a little while, but... Uh, Pac-12, they always let me down in this situation, so I was hoping for a mix of of all unusual suspects for the most part, you know. Uh, but uh, USC did not get the job done, so rightfully, I do believe uh, Ohio State deserved that fourth spot, and they got it. So I think for once, I will side with the committee that they got this one right.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. The committee got it right, but. It is a little unfortunate and kind of whack that the that Ohio State like got to sit at home and then move up and and basically just by default make it to the playoffs. I feel like there's been so many other years where Ohio State has benefited from these weird scenarios and then other teams like Michigan at times has have not benefited. Um, But anyway, I mean, that's. That's small fish at this point, right? Like I'm not gonna sit around and complain when we're literally um, the number two seed in the college football playoff again. And I just posted something on Twitter right before the show. Uh, There's only three teams, three schools that have got a top two seed in the college football playoff multiple times. It's Alabama, Clemson, and Michigan. So you know this season has really kind of returned us to this blue blood elite status um and i'm feeling good man and and as far as the matchups go i what i was looking at is are they going to are they going to put ohio state at number 3 and and are they going to make us match up with ohio state again in the semifinals i'm not i'm not afraid to play ohio state but i i really didn't want that i really didn't want that i think i think most michigan fans n- n- know that tcu is the is the simpler path to the playoff I mean, to the championship. And I don't know. I think if you're a Michigan fan, it's just like so much energy goes into preparing emotionally for an Ohio State game. I just, I just wasn't ready for that again, honestly. Are you kind of on the same page or are you, like, are you like, just bring them, you know, I want them again?
0: So I went through like a whole roller coaster of emotions when they slotted OSU at number five. I first thought it was totally undeserving. Um, I thought they needed to be dropped way lower for such an embarrassing loss to Michigan in their home stadium. But when you look at uh, some of the other competition, um, I mean, I was glad at the time they put USC and TCU ahead of them, and there wasn't any like drama there or anything like that. But uh, um, I was, you know, and also on the fence a little bit about Alabama maybe being a better team than Ohio State, but. I think if given the time and to be able to get healthy, Ohio State fields a pretty good um, team heading into the college football playoff and they'll get that with uh, with the next three weeks. So, I mean, I think uh, after I was able to kind of go through the motions and everything and come to peace with it. Um, I'm good. I think Michigan would uh, beat Ohio State's ass um, again in any scenario. They've done it in the toughest environment, so I think that we would be able to do it again. But I was with you for the most part, that I didn't really want to have to do that, especially back-to-back, or uh, not back-to-back, but you know what I mean, as so close to when we recently beat them like a game before um what would have been if they get into this you know what i mean
1: yeah and if i'm being just like brutally honest it it's just kind of you know you wait all year for the ohio state game and then when you beat them it's just like it's like fuck yes you know like 365 days of like like we got this we don't have to worry about them and so there's like a little piece of me that's like man if and I hate to even say this because I agree with you. Actually, I think Michigan's a tougher team. I think Michigan's a better team, and we we may in fact see them in the national championship game. And I think if that happens, I think we'll win. But there's that part of me that's like, man, if if they won in the postseason, it would it would basically erase the the regular season win, you know. And so I I think that's what's so like emotionally like up and down about envisioning that scenario is it's like, it would be the best thing in the world to beat them twice in one season, which has never been done. But also it would be the worst thing in the world for them to come back and, and, uh, get the best of us in the postseason. So, you know, we're going to figure that out. Luckily, luckily we've, we've got, uh, well, I shouldn't say, luckily we've got TCU, uh, you know, T we're going to be favored against TCU. There's no doubt about it. We're going to be favored. But after watching Max Duggan and uh, TCU play against Kansas State, uh, you know, I, I, they're not going to be a, a pushover by any means. But we're going to get into the TCU-Michigan matchup at the end of the show. I, I, what I want to start with here is uh, leading up to the Big Ten championship game, we got two two very key pieces of news, right? And uh, b- both of them were very concerning. For, for the Michigan camp. The first is Blake Corum, who tried to go against Ohio State after a knee injury and just couldn't, he, he got like two carries, he couldn't go. And I think everybody thought, well, he was close, right? Like we, we probably won't see him in the Big Ten Championship game, but he'll, he'll definitely be back for the playoffs, right? Like I think that's what we were all feeling. And then the news comes out, season-ending knee surgery for our Heisman candidate Running back, man. Uh, yeah, that's not the news you want to get. I I think we're definitely a bl- a better team with Blake Corum. Uh, wouldn't you say? Even even you know, even though we're doing well with Donovan Edwards, like it, like that's rough news to get.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, Blake adds definitely a toughness element to that run game as well, just because of his physical strength. Um, his ability to handle so many carries per game. Uh, He's a big part of the identity that they have. I mean, Donovan Edwards, don't get me wrong, he's a a stellar running back, just as good in many ways as Blake Corum, but they're very different styles of running back. You know what I mean? Uh, Edwards isn't that physical, um back that you get that even a quorum like he's small but he still presents like a physical goal line presence in some situations um that they've needed to result to with khalil mullings uh since since he's been gone but you know it's it's been tough but um i mean it was tough to get that news personally i think a lot of us were holding out hope that uh, it wasn't going to require surgery that he might be able to, uh, play in some of these more important games that we have coming up later in, in the next month or so. But, uh, either way, prayers to him. He's been such a huge part of what they've done this year. And I mean, in my eyes, he still earns the, uh, he still deserves the Heisman Trophy, regardless of, uh, of these last missed games, you know, um, I, that's just—it's not even so much as a testament as how great he is. It's just a testament to how bad the uh, Heisman
1: Trophy race is this year. Just give it to Blake at this point. I'm I'm genuinely curious who's going to get invited to New York and who's going to win the Heisman because, uh, yeah, we got weird injuries and letdowns and everything. All you know, all around, uh, the the Heisman race, right? I, I think Caleb. Williams at USC is probably going to take it because of, I, I know a lot of the votes come in like before the championship weekend. And I, I, so I think enough of those will probably go in Caleb Williams favor, but dude, who knows? Like, like seriously, who knows? There's like six different guys that were all kind of in the, in, in the race. And so we'll see about that. Um Yeah. Donovan's a little bit different of a runner, right? Like he, he, uh, I, I I like that we're that we're seeing Donovan. It's like we're seeing the future of Michigan football with JJ and Dono kind of like one two punch. I he, even he he's literally got a cast on his dominant hand, and he's still catching balls and you know running for 180, 200 yards a game all of a sudden. So I I just noticed on in, in early in the game when Blake Corum would get five six seven eight yards basically every carry. Donovan doesn't really do that quite the same way. Like he, he's much more susceptible to getting caught out by that first rush. You know, he, he for like a zero or one yard gain. Um, but then his breakaway speed is. I mean, I, I don't I don't know if I like he 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 looks like the best running back since like like Tyrone Wheatley or something. When he like when he gets in open space, like the dude is just like he's impressive.
0: Yeah, I mean, his ability to uh, to make a man miss in the open field, if he finds a hole and then he's one-on-one with, like, one or two guys in the open field, I mean, like, it's done. You could make a whole highlight reel of just him juking guys after he gets in the open field. And he played in such limited action this season, which is crazy. I mean, the dude, he could be a—he would be the Heisman if he had more— uh action this year. I mean, that's where I'm at, just because he's been so phenomenal these last four games. You know what I mean? I mean, Nebraska, I think he only carried the ball a couple times. Uh, but he's averaging seven and a half yards on the season, averaged seven and a half yards last night. I mean, it's just crazy to watch. I can't wait to see what uh what him and JJ bring to this Michigan team next year.
1: And he's the single greatest uh Interviewee we have on the team donovan Edwards interviews are just freaking hilarious, man. they're like a key and peel skit he's just like he's just he's just a hilarious human being in general so um love that we're going to be seeing a lot more of donovan Edwards and then the other big piece of news you know coming into the Big Ten championship game was kinda kind of you know it was it seemed really serious at first. And then after we processed the facts of this scenario, it started to seem a little bit less serious, but Mozzie Smith our incredible freakish run stopper that, and there's just no way to fully articulate what he means to this defense on the interior. I think, I think people that really know Michigan know that there's a few people that just, you really need them to be in the game. And Mozzie Smith is one of them. And, uh, I just see I see the news start to just pour in mozzie Smith gun charge gun charge gun felony gun charge, right, and I'm just I'm like spiraling at that point. I'm like, well, we had a good year, you know, <laughs> like all right, like yeah mozzie Smith is out and and in my head, I knew like we got a really good team, and we could play without mozzie if we have to and 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 we also have a lot of really good defensive linemen, but um it's so you know once the facts started to come out, this was not that big of a deal it really wasn't you got of course you got Michigan State's fan base really wanting it to be a big deal because they're you know they went you know I feel for their fans right they're like their player actually fuck that I don't feel for their fans but but you know they went they just went through the roller coaster of their players viciously attacking our players in the tunnel and then catching charges from that Um, and so they they desperately want this to be comparable to that and and it's just not because what what happened with Mozzie Smith is he got a gun legally. He's of legal age to get a gun. He applied for the paperwork. Um, everything we know about the situation thus far is that he actually notified the police officers at a routine traffic stop that uh, that he had the gun. He wasn't trying to hide that. And then it turned out that the paperwork he had submitted to get the registration for the gun hadn't gone through yet. So technically he was... Transporting the gun in a way that's not legal in the state of Michigan, right? Is is that how you understand, basically, the, the events that took place with him?
0: Yes. I mean, at first, I was just like you. I was very up in arms about the situation, uh, very worried. It's not the kind of headline that you want to see. Um, and then, of course, just the rivalry shit from the fans makes it that much worse. You know, they're trying to compare— um mozzie smith and this thing to like the tunnel shenanigans which like is just totally flat out ridiculous i mean you can't even go there the situations aren't even comparable you're just basically saying let's compare all crime with all crime you know um so first and foremost let's just throw that out and secondly like you said he went through all of the proper channels um in order to obtain this, you know obviously there was probably a little bit of uh of something or other that he could have done on his part to uh to better prevent this from happening. but you know, I think he's uh he's a very upstanding young individual, and he'll take accountability in in the courtroom and uh Jim Harbaugh and Ward Manuel don't seem to think that it's that big of a deal, you know what I mean they know the situation as good as as anyone that's important uh, enough needs to knows the situation, and uh, if anything needs to be done, I I trust them to do it.
1: Well, and I think my, my main point on the Mozzie Smith situation is like, should he face the, the legal repercussions of of his actions? Like, yeah, of course, it's a law. Uh, the, you know, the he didn't have the paperwork. So so technically it was a crime in the state of Michigan he should face that crime in the state of Michigan. Um I was catching a lot of heat on social media about something that I said where I simply stated if he was on TCU this would be a non-issue because in the state of Texas it's it's legal you don't need you don't even need that paperwork to carry a gun. I'm pretty sure the state of Ohio is the same way, right? So you, you got two other teams that are competing in the college football playoff that if their players transported a gun in exactly the same way Mozzie Smith did, um, they wouldn't be charged with the crime. And I had people coming back and being like, yeah, but you know, they, he is in the state of Michigan, idiot. Now, and I, I'm like, that's not my point. I'm not saying he shouldn't face the charges. He should definitely face the charges. What my point is, is he should be allowed to play football, right? Because he didn't violate any criminal or ethical boundary that that is like, you know, a reason why he shouldn't be able to play football. He should have to handle this citation, you know, th- this charge, and then continue to be able to play while that process plays out. So anyway, I'm probably giving this too much air, but i, but I that's just my kind of response to everybody that's like, Harbaugh covered it up and this is terrible. And it's like that, none of that really happened. It's just It's just something that's in process. That's all.
0: Absolutely. I'm just going to leave it at that, man. I mean, the thought, the talk of cover up and everything, like, it's just nonsensical. I mean, if I tweeted something out that was kind of a little bit misunderstood um, about Mozzie Smith, just saying that, like, if it was that big of a deal, they would have suspended him just because I believe we have the depth to fill his position if he needed to be suspended. You know what I mean? So... That's really all it is. If it was that serious, they would take action. I don't believe it's that serious. And if uh, if he needs to face legal consequences, he will.
1: But for now, he is playing, and he played in the Big Ten Championship game, Michigan 43, Purdue 22. That is a 21-point win in the championship game for Michigan to repeat as Big Ten champions, so that's back-to-back Big Ten championships for the Michigan football team. I believe that's the first time since 1991 and 1992. Let's jump right in and hand out some game balls.
0: This guy right here and this guy right here.
1: All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go first because I, I really want to give this guy a game ball and I don't want you to take him from me. My first game ball goes to a true freshman uh, cornerback who came in, played big minutes, made a couple really good tackles. I think the tackles are slept on. Um, And then, of course, he had two interceptions. I'm referring to uh, Will Johnson. You get a game ball.
0: Hell yeah. Very great pick. Uh, I did have him on there, and... um, I would love to just if I could saw that game ball like into like a half or a quarter and also just shine a little bit of credit on DJ Turner cuz Will Johnson obviously coming in playing relief play, and big relief of him after uh, he got shooken up a little bit but uh DJ Turner made some great plays um with, with before Will Johnson came in and took a lot of those minutes from him so great pick Agreed. there buddy Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to cheat a little bit because I kind of just gave a game ball, but I'm going to give my game ball to Jalen Harrell. Um, And that guy, he was just an absolute animal. Uh, You could tell he just entered this game knowing that we needed to get pressure on that quarterback, do some things to disrupt that offense a little bit. And uh, he came up huge. He registered a couple sacks, I think even a couple tackles for losses. Uh, it just—it was great to see uh, some uh, just a dominant performance from one of our edge rush guys. You got to love that.
1: I do. I absolutely love that. Two defensive game balls to get us started. We each have two left to give away. I'm going to give my second game ball to J.J. McCarthy. Now, two games in a row now. We we they let JJ Cook and he looks good. Uh, you know, a few passing TDs and and uh he's cooking and looking good. JJ McCarthy, you get a game ball.
0: Hell yeah. And it's only fitting uh with JJ getting one that we give one to the one-handed pirate Donovan Edwards getting it done with the one hand again. I mean, this guy is just incredible. Um, I think it's, it's what 400 yards Harbaugh said in the last two games for that guy. So, I mean, just an elite, uh, elite performance from him. We don't have these last two wins, um, without the help of Donovan Edwards. So you get a game ball and so much more if I could, if I had to give it to you, Donovan, but you definitely get a game ball.
1: That's true, and, and you know he uh, got the Big Ten Championship MVP as well. So I think the media agrees with you on that one. Um, I've got a few names to choose from. I got my list out right now, and I'm realizing I'm not going to get to all the names I want to. But uh, I got to go with Ronnie Bell. So Ronnie Bell tore his ACL last year, and this was that full circle moment. I, I you know, on the pod a couple weeks ago, I, I talked to you about how I thought he was going to be the player of the game in the Ohio State game. It didn't pan out that way, Cornelius Johnson was. Um, but coming back from injury, great season from Ronnie. He, he comes in, makes a, a few grabs, and then that spectacular NFL-style throw from JJ in the back of the end zone. Ronnie Bell, you get a game ball.
0: That is a excellent pick. Definitely not sleeping on Ronnie. I, too, have uh, quite a few that I could just go on and on about. But I did finally uh settle on Yabi Oki just because he was another edge guy that was just all over the place in this game. Um attack half of a sack, half of a TFL. Um and then he also had a couple QB hurries, if I'm not mistaken. But he was just very disruptive all over uh in everybody's face for the time that he was in. So uh a big part of that uh, defensive w for the Wolverines last night
1: yeah he uh he definitely deserves a game ball. I'm glad you did that because he wasn't on my list, but uh he wasn't even putting moves on guys, he was just running through'em he was like he was he like the purdue dudes were just too small like he was just getting to the quarterback th- through guys, and uh real quick, I'll just go ahead and give my shout outs to you know the guys that didn't quite. Didn't quite make it to the game ball status, but probably deserve one anyway. Quick shout out to Junior Colson with 15 tackles, and then my man Luke Schoonmaker coming up big with a couple big plays. Hell, anybody, yeah. anybody so else? Glad. You got?
0: Uh, honestly, those were uh, those were two of the ones I mentioned. I had tweeted out earlier in the week about Scooney, uh just because he had such a great game last year um in the Big Ten championship. He had been like relatively silent all year long until he put on about like 50 yards and a couple of receptions last year in the Big Ten championship. This year came up big again. Um and uh yeah so glad you caught Scooty. But um and Colston Loveland man yeah can't say enough about that guy. I mean I, I remember he uh went into the injury tent at one point back into the game that kid's got so much fight in him. Diehard Michigan Wolverine. Can't wait to see what uh, what he does. And really, this whole team next year. Uh, it's looking really good.
1: Dude, what was that touchdown, man? That, that first touchdown of the game? Like, where did that come from? That was... Like, Colston Loveland literally looked like, you know, an NFL wide receiver going up and making that grab. Like, that was nuts. And... To think that him and Schoon are going to be on the team. Or, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Him and Eric all are going to be on the team uh, together next year. Uh, man, the sky is the limit for this team. I know there are some questions about our recruiting right now. It's been a little bit mediocre, but we have a we have enough uh, returning talent next year to where I I don't think this this recruiting class is is make it or break it right like we've got enough like there's guys all over the offense and defense that are coming back next year so that's amazing man so getting into the game a little bit just some of the narratives we talked about will johnson's two picks we talked a little bit about ronnie bell's legacy like ronnie bell will probably be a late late round nfl draft pick so that that'll be really cool to see where he ends up um maybe the maybe your lions will will snag him in the sixth round or something we'll see and then you talked about the the pirate donovan edwards and you know for me like it, J, jj was just kind, kind of a revelation in this game he only threw the ball 17 times He went 11 for 17 three touchdowns but his ability to evade pressure uh every time i would see him do that i would think to myself uh georgia right well, we saw like we was, we saw Cade go down against Georgia against that that strong front seven last year. That game is a completely different game if JJ's in it. And we might get to see that game again this year. And it might be the national championship game. And I just if, if JJ's run run if he's got the ball in his hands and he's evading pressure, I just have so much confidence that he's gonna do something good with it. Uh it feels good, doesn't it?
0: it absolutely does and if we're rolling right into uh to our game summaries i'll just kind of just piggyback off of that and say that uh i mean that uh, his ability it's really just what this team has been missing is just that mobility he doesn't even need to run for like lamar jackson type uh type numbers you know what i mean like he just needs to keep doing what he's doing, evading pressure, throwing on the run. You know, he's doing great. It's been and this offense is just coming on exactly at the right time uh when they needed to this season. I mean, they're they're going to be able to pull some stuff out of their hat, I think if uh if they get in this uh finals matchup against Georgia and also TCU, but They've still got a lot of stuff in the tank that they didn't pull off in the regular season that, you know, uh they can try now that they're kind of clicking on all cylinders with this new offensive formula they've gone with the last couple games.
1: It's it's freaking crazy, man, that the Blake Corum injury seemed to spark the, the more dynamic offense that we've all been looking for. And so there's no question that we would all rather have Blake Corum out there. He's a special, unique talent, but he was so good that we could just lean on him all game. And, you know, who knows, who knows what, what a team like Georgia would have done if we were just handing it off to Blake Corum every, you know, every single possession. But, now, you know, with this defense clicking on all cylinders and Jesse Minter making the halftime adjustments, uh, better halftime adjustments than I've ever seen a defensive coordinator make, really on any level. I know that, that seems like a, a really drastic, like exaggerated thing to say, but I, I honestly can't think of, in, in college or NFL, a coordinator that makes better halftime adjustments than uh, Jesse Minter. I, I just haven't seen it. No.
0: Certainly not at all. I mean, uh, I you know Michigan going thirteen and zero. It speaks for itself. Jesse Minter's body of work uh, speaks for itself. I hope. I know it's a long shot. I hope they can retain a lot of uh, the members of this coaching staff because uh, it's just been a magical season. They're poised to do a lot of great things next year. Uh, but uh, but anyways, yeah. I digress.
1: Well, speaking about retaining members of the coaching staff, I've been thinking a lot about Sharon Moore. And originally, when they the, when they went with the co-offensive coordinator, play calling kind of situation, I thought like Matt Weiss uh, was the guy. You know, I was sitting there like, okay, Sharon Moore, this is kind of just like a a resume builder. Like Harbaugh is just kind of throwing him a bone. Now, I like. Now that I've kind of watched him on the sidelines and I've seen the way that the season has progressed and I, you know, I, I actually think that Sharon Moore is probably the best, uh, head coaching candidate we have on our team. Um, I hate saying that out loud because I want to keep all these guys forever, but, but, you know, it is what it is, right? Like we, we want to see our guys go on and have success when, when the, the time is right. But, Teams are crazy if they're not looking at Sharon Moore as a head coaching candidate. We're gonna have maybe uh, we we might have the best offensive line in the country again. Uh, I forgot the name of the tra- Joe Moore. That's what I was trying to think of. We we might have the Joe Moore award-winning uh, line for the second year in a row, and so Sharon Moore looks looks fantastic. But overall, you know. We can get into the storylines and the different dynamics of the game, but it's just when you, when you take a step back and you think about everything that Michigan has been through for the past really like 25 or 30 years, um, this is it, man. This is what we've been waiting for. Last year, we got over the hump. This year, we solidified ourselves as you know a top three or four premier program in college football, and it doesn't look like we're going anywhere.
0: Yeah, I would absolutely, uh I would absolutely echo that sentiment. You know, Michigan is an elite college football program these days, and it feels so good to say that. Back-to-back playoff appearances, Um, it's everything that, that you and I and people of our Michigan generation have been waiting for since, like, the days of, like, when we came out the womb, you know what I mean? Like, it's just been so long since we've seen uh, glory of this magnitude. So, I mean, for uh, it's just been it's been great. I can't wait to see w- what kind of damage this team does in the playoffs. I know that they're going to put up a great semifinal showing um, against TCU, no matter what. So, I'm excited for that game as well.
1: Yeah, and I just want to tip my hat to Ward Manuel because there was a time when everybody in the country was calling for Harbaugh's head. Um, I don't know if you were, I didn't know you at that time, Matt, like we've only known each other basically this season, but um, I was a Harbaugh supporter because I I was of the opinion that Harbaugh was better than any, anything else we were going to find. He was a Michigan man. He returned us to winning like 10 games a year. And after Brady Hoke and Richrod, I was like, please, please don't rebuild again. Right? Like let's, let's give Harbaugh a shot. So I was always in support of Harbaugh, but a lot of the fan base, uh, I would say after that 2020 season, most of the fan base, they were calling for Harbaugh's head. And what did Ward Manuel do? He stuck his neck out. Yeah, they did that contract restructuring, but they kept Harbaugh around. And then Harbaugh got guys like Mike Hart and Ronald Bellamy and um now we got Coach Elston, we've got Denard Robinson back, you know, we've got the uh, Grand Newsome. We've got like players that are, are Michigan men all over the coaching staff. And we got players now that are are just invested in the team and the program and the university. They're invested in each other. Donovan Edwards gets uh MVP of the Big Ten Championship game, and all he talks about is Blake Corum, right? And that that's like a it's a microcosm of like what this team is about. The head coach Jim Harbaugh, at every single post game interview, they can't even get him to talk. He's looking around like, like, talk to this guy, talk to this guy. And so e- the culture of this program is better than it's ever been. And I like, I just feel it feels so good, and I feel so proud to be like a, a Michigan man because like this this is what I've been waiting for, and this this like represents everything that we are, right?
0: Absolutely, buddy, and uh, and I, you know, I um, I hear Harbaugh giving so much credit to these players, and I really think because you know when you look at Jim Harbaugh a couple years ago, especially during that that miserable, unspoken of COVID year, uh, it was dark times. You know, press conferences with Harbaugh, like he just was very expressionless. You know, and I think. Him crediting a lot of what he does to these players, it uh, it kind of speaks to what that team did last season and the kind of guys that we had in there last season, because I think to some extent it starts with the team, you know what I mean, and their ability to buy in and turn a culture around, and guys like Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo, like, obviously the coaching staff is always going to be there, and they're always going to be a good Jim Harbaugh coaching staff, but... You know, I'll just forever be grateful for this year's team and last year's team for, you know, uh, like buying into Harbaugh's system and like giving that guy a chance to finally like put a championship contending a uh, couple of teams on the field. So it's been long overdue. So grateful for these last couple classes of players. And uh, I think it's like the start of something really, I mean, great here in Ann Arbor.
1: I agree and you know the tip of the spear for any college football team or any football team in general for that matter is the quarterback position. And we saw uh, so so the one piece of news that we didn't lead the show with that we could have is we saw Cade McNamara commit to Iowa, which is a great fit. Uh good luck to Cade, right? That's a really good fit for him. Um I think it's a really smart decision by Iowa too. I'll I'll be looking forward to the Big Ten championship game next year, JJ versus Cade, that's going to be special. But seeing JJ McCarthy now as the leader of this team, you know, he's he's got the smiley face on his on his wrist and he meditates before the games and he just oozes confidence and posi- like a positive mentality. And you can see other guys like Donovan Edwards and these other guys around him soaking that up. and And then... I don't know if you caught this, but like when I turned on the USC game, uh, Caleb Williams had, he had fuck Utah written on his fingernails and nail polish. And I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, we got, we got JJ McCarthy as our quarterback. And then this is the quarterback they have at USC. And I'm just so grateful that we don't have that petty bullshit um, on our team. And, and, And like, it's so cool to have a guy that's just mature beyond his years, just leading this new revamped Michigan team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree. I'm a 100% believer in uh, J.J. McCarthy as the leader of this football team, and I will die on the hill of whatever J.J. does for this Michigan team, basically. You know what I mean? That's what we're riding with, so let's go. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah, let's ride. Um, All right, let's move on to our what's the deal segment. This gives us an opportunity to ask what's the deal You know, we can look at Michigan football, college football, or just sports in general. There's really no rules to this. But uh, I'll let you lead off, my friend, what you got for us.
0: All right. So I'll lead off with uh, what's the deal with Ohio State Buckeye fans overwhelming uh, amount of confidence in a rematch with the Michigan Wolverines is really uh, what I have to ask. You know what I mean? We just whooped their ass pretty badly in their home stadium. It was pretty embarrassing. They got really upset about it. Um, And they they pulled out all the stops for that game. So I just, I mean, I get like the competitive, like confidence a little bit, but I mean, people are just coming out of the woodwork at this point. Like I'm here on Twitter, like it hasn't even been like four or five days and Ohio State Buckeye fans are acting like they're coming for blood that, like, they just have the chance to get. And uh, I'm just wondering, what's the deal?
1: (laughs) Dude, what is the deal? Uh, In, like, a four-hour span, right, the span uh, uh, that it took for the USC-Utah game to be played, they went from Fire Ryan Day to we're going to win the whole thing, we're elite, Michigan is scared of us. You know, it's like... All right, like you know, there might be some reasons why I, I wanted to play TCU or USC rather than Ohio State, right? Just from a a preference standpoint. Um, but I'm not scared of a team that we beat by 22 points at the in their house and then planted the flag on the you know midfield of their logo. Like, like give me a break, Ohio State. Y- y'all were literally saying like Ryan Day has to go. You know, fire Ryan Day which is kind of crazy if you think about it. The dude's lost two Big Ten games and they were both to Michigan. Um, So I agree with you. You know, what I got to ask, what's the deal on, is what is the deal with the media in general, not not just ESPN, but the entire media giving Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide so much airtime to campaign their way into the college football playoff? Like, I know they didn't get in, but Alabama should not even be considered in the tier of Michigan, TCU, and Georgia. Alabama has a resume to where they should be considered alongside teams like Tennessee and Penn State. Right? That is a, that is a fair place to put them. And Tennessee and Penn State did not get one single breath of air. And Penn State on, will and, still and, probably beat them. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy to me. Alabama was, uh, they struggled with penalties all year long. Nick Saban comes on. Um, I was really disappointed in Fox, right? Because Fox gave Nick Saban like this platform and h- halftime of our game, which I didn't even listen to, by the way. My wife was like, Nick Saban's on. And I'm like, I'm going to go do something else. I'm not even doing this. And, and, you know, they were two plays away from being a four loss team, right? Because I, I did hear Saban say at the college football playoff, uh, selection show he's like well you got to consider you know these were only one point losses and it's like yeah but you had a couple like one point wins too like Texas they didn't even have their starting QB and they almost beat Bama so anyway I'm ranting at this point but what's the deal media like cut it out Alabama and Nick Saban are just not that good this year I'm
0: with you it's just garbage and uh, I mean I was at a sports bar and I couldn't hear uh what the little crimson tide man was saying but uh i just (laughs) i was just wondering like what's the deal why is he on my t why is he on all these tv screens you know what i mean so i don't know what questions they were asking him but i they were definitely pushing the alabama sec agenda there a little bit like on the big 10 championship stage
1: (laughs) so i will forever uh refer to nick saban from now on as uh, the little crimson tied man
0: <laughs> that's a big house right. bleachers trademark right there
1: there you go trademark copyright all right, you're up next
0: all right, so my next what's the deal is uh is really i guess for just u s c it is for u s c and t c u uh technically for dropping both of their games on the the big stage like that TCU obviously still squeaks into the playoff uh unscathed but uh i mean both of them like really like needed to to win those football games and uh TCU catches the break USC doesn't but i was really hoping for a mix of like i said all unusual suspects uh, We didn't quite get that Ohio State sneaks back in uh, the sliminess of the Ohio State Buckeyes. We are still not read of them yet. Uh, So they're back in because of it. So I just have to ask, what's the deal, USC and TCU?
1: Yeah, I mean, what is the deal, man? They let Ohio State in and in usual fashion for this segment. Your your what's the deal just leads right into mine. I gotta ask, what is the deal with USC's tackling? I I could not believe it when we when I was watching that game. Like I already knew uh, USC's defense was not great, but I've never seen such poor tackling at at at, out of a power five team. I I think that might have been the single worst tackling performance I've seen, and for that to be in a championship game with your college football playoffs uh, on the line. I mean, it, I, I know Lincoln Riley's only been there for one year, but this was something that kind of plagued him at OU too. It almost seemed like we were watching like an OU it's team. Oklahoma
0: just like, SC, dude, that's exactly what it looked like. I'm so glad you yeah. said it because I was wondering the exact same thing. I'm like, am I crazy? Or is this just like, like uh, Oklahoma on uh, South Car- on South California time?
1: Yeah, and you know it's it, a lot of fans uh, you know or especially early in the season when you're watching Michigan and they're tied 10 to 10 at the half, a lot of fans look at these like USC style teams or Oklahoma of last year and it's easy to be like look at the shiny object and be like, "Oh man, I wish we did that." But then you see like am aren't you glad that Harbaugh focuses on the things he focuses on versus the things that Lincoln Riley focuses on because at the end of the year championships are won with strong defense and hit him in the mouth, like grind it out style game. So uh, Lincoln Riley and USC, like what is the damn deal, man? Make a tackle. Make a tackle. Moving on to pump the brakes. And this has got to be my favorite segment of the show. This, this is really just an opportunity for each of us to bring uh, one or two Kind of takes. And then if, if the other person disagrees, they, they'll say pump the brakes. Or if they agree, they'll say keep driving and we'll just move on to the next one. I, I think you might agree with both of mine this week. So I, we'll, we'll see. I, I, I do think that they are. Uh, I think they're hot takes. I just think that you're going to agree with both of them because you're probably in the same camp as me. But I'll go ahead and lead this off. All of a sudden, I believe that J.J. McCarthy will break the all-time passing touchdown record for a single season at Michigan.
0: Uh, you said it. Okay. What's the record? What is it? Like
1: 25? The, rec- the record's 25. It's shared by Elvis Gerbach and uh, Chad Henney. And uh, J.J., just, he just moved to 20 with two games remaining.
0: Damn, somebody had uh, mentioned that on uh, on the Wolverine Digest podcast, I remember. Somebody had asked that same question uh, a couple games, like a game or two before we played Ohio State. And uh, the answer to that, I remember, uh, they were just like, "No, nah, I just don't see it happening. But now all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it looks possible, so I mean you are correct. We are of the same mindset. I'm gonna keep driving with you on that one uh just because I mean that's not a hard goal if he plays the next two games in the same uh the same life that he's played the last the last two We in good shape
1: and quick side note uh it's just that's the most embarrassing record in maybe all of college football Michigan's such a premier program. That we've never had a guy throw 25 touchdowns. I mean, to put that in perspective, Joe Burrow, uh, his during his championship run with LSU, he threw 50. So he threw twice as many touchdowns as any Michigan quarterback in history. So uh, we can we can move on after that. I don't want to I don't want to spend too much time on that. It's all
0: right. One of the more embarrassing uh Michigan records out there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's certainly I mean, he's going to be the guy to do it, whether it's like not this year, but next year. I mean, the kid is special. And I think that they're finally like uncorking a little bit of that. So mine, uh my pump the brakes is I, I just talked all kinds of shit on this team. And now I'm going to kind of give him a little bit at a boy, I guess. But uh, Ohio State is going to give Georgia a little bit of a run for their money, I think.
1: I'm going to go ahead and say pump the brakes. All, right it's, all funny, right. it's funny that I pumped the brakes on this because I almost said the same thing for my second pump the brakes. I considered it. I was looking around at the, like the landscape and was like, Well, what, like, what kind of take am I going to have here? Oh, Ohio state. Like, let me just tell you, I almost fell for it. And I'm going to tell you, you're falling for it. You're just falling for it right now. Ohio state just does not have that dog in them. They just don't. They just do not have that dog in them. Uh, Georgia is going to line up across from these guys. Do you, do you remember what Northwestern's line did to Ohio state's line? That's the worst team in the big 10. Um, I think Georgia is just going to obliterate Ohio State, honestly. i I think most people feel like Ohio State's like that's going to like that's somehow a good matchup. I I, I think Georgia is going to win that game easily. So pump the brakes, my friend.
0: I uh, I can understand. My mindset is, and I'll I'll mention this now that you've pumped the brakes on me, but. Georgia's fallen a little bit behind. I mean, they've been close, you know what I mean? They've had some close games against uh, teams that turned out to not be, you know, so great. I mean, they just had, I mean, a relatively close game against Georgia uh, Tech, you know what I mean? So I don't think that uh, that this Georgia team is as good as the Georgia team that we faced a year ago, so who knows? We'll see. But uh, I, I'm kind of almost sick to give them a little bit of a, a little bit of credit on that.
1: Oh, you're right. The Georgia team is is not as good as they were a year ago. They just aren't. Um, yeah, I just, I just, I don't know about Ryan Day coached Ohio State teams. I think that we're starting to see what being born on third base looks like. Charmin Soft. Yeah, Charmin Soft Ohio State. Um, and then, I, you know, my, this last one, I, I don't know why you would pump the brakes on it. You might, but, it, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say I believe that this year's national championship game is going to be the most watched foot, college football game in history.
0: Mm, I would uh honestly venture to agree with you on that. And really, I'm so glad that I can like talk about this a little bit now, but uh just that picture and you have this picture pinned in your pinned tweets, but I just like get chills thinking about that image of uh of JJ McCarthy, Donovan Edwards, Mike Morris, Blake Corum, Andre Anthony, a little bit more silent than the others. Uh, But uh, those guys just standing on the sideline, breathing in that loss to Georgia from last year and to just have that opportunity to play them again, uh, not even just in the semifinals, but in the the college football playoff final, it would be the sweetest opportunity to put up a, a good game against that opponent. Uh no matter what that that looks like, just as long as it's enjoyable to watch, I would love to see uh that game, so I'm just waiting on it but uh, yeah, that's kind of my loaded loaded answer to
1: that well that one that one in i I figured you'd agree with me on that, but that went into my thought process there was was we're either gonna see Michigan Ohio State in the national championship game, which i already i already said. Previously, I don't think is going to happen, but that that's one of the options if, if Michigan makes it right. I, I'm not overlooking TCU, by the way. We'll talk about them in a second. But um, or Michigan versus Georgia, which is the ultimate revenge game for last year. And you reference that that picture that I have pinned where it, it's just it's everybody standing around after the, the Georgia game, watching Georgia celebrate. And it gives me chills just to think about it now that that uh, that we're kind of back like really facing a a realistic possibility of a Georgia rematch. Um, Interesting side note on that picture. I didn't know about this until yesterday and I saw it. It's actually, that's actually the cropped version that I have pinned and the, the actual full picture has one other guy in it. And I never knew this. I didn't even recognize it last year. Mike Morris is also standing there in that picture too. And so like it's, it's JJ Donovan, Andrell and Mike Morris. And like i'm i'm thinking like man how cool would it be if if they can come back and uh face georgia and so for that reason i i really believe it's going to be the most watched uh along with with uh we already know michigan fans they they tune in right michigan fans tune in just period michigan gets a lot of viewers so anyway um you got one more for me i got one more for you and uh it's really just
0: more of a kind of your question, a question of your confidence in uh, in the matchup with uh, TCU or whatever. But say you could purchase a ticket to the national championship game, which I know that you already have, but oh, yeah. would not have the ability to refund it if, if Michigan doesn't make the final. Are you still purchasing the ticket? Or are you pumping the brakes knowing that you're not able to return that ticket until uh, knowing the outcome of Michigan's matchup with TCU?
1: I'm going to keep driving all the way to L.A., to SoFi Stadium, to the national championship game. But you know what? I I could I I could start driving right now and just take a tour and not even turn on the TV and turn on the semifinal games and I would I would still show up to the national championship game just hoping that Michigan was playing. Uh that that's just how excited I am about the possibility of Michigan being in the national championship game. Um but i'll be honest uh i'm gonna sell my tickets if if they're not there i'm not gonna i'm not gonna keep the tickets like you know those are expensive fucking tickets like i'm definitely there's there's a lot of other things i could do with that money so the fact that i uh could get a refund definitely played into the the decision to because i bought my i bought my tickets uh before the big 10 championship game i was just like screw it it looks like looks like there's a chance i'm gonna get them now
0: Absolutely. And uh, an obvious uh, fan, true-blooded fan response there. I'm uh, on the verge of purchasing my tickets as well, just because I'm that confident. You know, obviously having to go through a refund process is kind of a little bit of a hassle. But, you know, I'm that confident in this team that we're going to see a Michigan and Georgia. I mean, maybe Ohio State, but Michigan, Georgia, probably a uh, rebatch hopefully in the final of the college football playoff this year.
1: Man, do whatever it takes. Max out your credit cards, sell your car, uh get out there on the you know the streets with your daughter holding holding signs for change, man. Like let's 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 make it happen. Let's let's get the let's get up there and uh go to LA and and uh you know win ourselves a national championship and then be impoverished for the next 10 years together because we spent all our money on the game. Um can you imagine those tickets are going to go up so high if Ohio State and Michigan are are matched up like like it's it's going to just be nuts. Um that's a good segue actually. Let's let's uh before we wrap up the show, let's talk a little bit about the playoffs and then we can touch on Michigan basketball before we get out of here as well. Um Michigan versus TCU how you feeling about the game
0: i'm uh feeling good, Mike, and um, you know i uh I actually saw the line the line released uh, a cup like an hour or so before we jumped on this pod. Michigan opens up as uh as nearly double digit favorites you know what i mean so the it's Vegas thinks highly of Michigan. I think Michigan will probably win um, by Double digits, maybe like slight double digits, I'm thinking it might be uh a little bit a little bit closer than uh than some are thinking, but I think the Wolverines ultimately pull it out Max Duggan obviously uh he's the man, so he'll be one to look out for, but yeah, I'm feeling good,
1: yeah, Max Duggan has that frog in him for sure, man. <laughs> that's my favorite thing to say right now. Uh, I saw I saw somebody post that like he's got that frog in him. Um, I gained so much respect for TCU, and that it's funny because that's the game that they lost. But my God, man, what a gritty game! And and uh, it was kind of controversial. They could have won it, and and that's actually a team that they that they beat, and they beat so many other teams. Um, I've got a theory though. Here, here's my theory. Let me know what you think about this. Here's why I think Michigan's going to win the game. But besides the obvious reason that we got more talent, we're favored and all that. um, TCU can only beat teams if they if if the other team goes out to a double-digit lead. And Michigan refuses to go out to a double-digit lead against anybody. So so it's just the perfect matchup, right? Michigan will be tied with TCU uh, 10-10 at the half, or it'll be 13-14 or some some. Typical Michigan score and TCU's not going to know what to do because all the only the only time they know what to do is when they're down by two or three scores. So Michigan's going to surprise attack them win the game 42 to 10, 45 to 10. On their way to a national championship. I love it. Let's book. it. That's just that's science, man. You just can't argue with that. Just science. I was pretty locked in on
0: that prediction, you know. I mean, I feel <laughs> like uh, that's kind of how it's going to come to fruition, and
1: let's ride. It's funny too, because if like if if we're playing, uh, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves and just assume we're playing in the national championship game, but it's it's that's my disclaimer. But it's fun to just think about it now. And so, if we're playing Georgia and we're within, I'm going to say within two scores at halftime. I'm gonna feel pretty good about it, right? Like I'm not gonna get discouraged if it's if it's uh, 21 to 10 at halftime, because Michigan has shown the ability to to really come out and play a good second half, you know, football. And if it's you know if it's like t- tied at 10 or tied at 14 with Georgia at half, I'm gonna be ready, man. I'm gonna be just uh, like. Because then there's a chance Michigan's just going to run run away with it, and that that'll be exciting. Yes, absolutely. And the basketball team, Jawan Howard has a you know a, a fairly talented roster. It's it's a little tough to get too invested in basketball right now, but we've got a three or four week gap now before the football team plays again. So that's what that's what all real Michigan football fans do when they're when there's not football on. We we watch a little basketball and. The team looked better this week, uh, but we've lost twice. And, and so now the record moves to five and three, which is disappointing. But we were winning uh, in the final minute against number three, Virginia, earlier in the week. And then we played Kentucky, number 19, Kentucky, very close today, right before we recorded this pod. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not too worried about it, to be honest. We haven't gotten into Big Ten play. Uh, I, I still believe that this team can be a top three or four team in the big 10, which typically is good enough for a sweet 16 run. And, um, Jalen Llewellyn went down with an injury today, which, which is, is tough. Uh, hopefully he's okay. He, he actually was playing better. You know, he's been the one guy I've had a lot of criticism for. He was actually playing better, but, um, this team's got some talent and now that they're playing with some of the best teams in the country and they're playing better, I actually think they're going to write the ship and and have a, a a decent Big 10 record.
0: Yeah, I would uh, be inclined to agree. And you know, they they have somewhat of a benefit in being tested like this this early in the season with some of their non-conference uh, opponents, you know, you don't discredit them too much for for that loss to Virginia or uh it really would have been nice to get that one uh, against Kentucky today. But, you know, this uh, this team will be all right. I think that they'll do really well in Big Ten play, and they'll have, you know, a shot at, at uh, redeeming some of these ones that they let slip away. One thing that I will say, man, that, uh, that I am just really missing, um, and, and I hate comparing because I know, like, Like Beeline is gone and like the ship has sailed and like we have Jawan Howard now, but I just really miss that depth and, uh, development that we had behind a lot of the guys of those John Beeline teams that, uh, that allowed us to, uh, shoot our way and, uh, just have the depth we need to get to a victory. And in some of these Michigan games with like these young, really talented, like four and five star recruits, we have, it's awesome. They're very competitive, but, uh, but we lack a little bit of that experience just because there is that, that superstar factor to a lot of them. And guys like that have the tendency to, to flip flop or transfer, you know what I mean? Or go to the league early, you know? So. I think a lot of that has shown over the last couple years in our ability to finish close games like this where we're down just where we're in the thick of it. But we need some kind of uh, some kind of veteran shooting or leadership to make the tough shots that you're supposed to make to get those tough uh, W's.
1: Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. I really do. It's, it's kind of uh, apples and oranges, right? Juwan Howard and John Beeline, they, they're very good coaches in their own right, but they're different. J- John Beeline is a little bit more like the Jim Harbaugh of basketball. And what I mean by that is is uh, player development, uh, a lot of depth, as you mentioned, and really they, they, they both slow the game down and limit possessions. I remember Beeline used to win games scoring in like the 50s, right? Like if, if a Juwan Howard team scores in the 50s, it means they lost by 30 points, right? Like that's just, and and so it's, it's really a different, it's a different thing. I I like, you know, I like this Juwan Howard uh, style, but it, it does take a little bit longer to get going sometimes. And, and uh, you know, I I do see him, it, it, it feels like maybe Phil Martelli is behind this, but, in the Kentucky game specifically, he's really he's trying to find out who who that seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth guy is going to be. Uh, I'd love to see more Joey Baker, but you know they, uh, Isaiah Barnes was getting some good minutes in this game. We haven't really seen much of Yo-Yo, which we thought he might be good, but he he he's probably a little bit behind, and maybe we'll see him next year. Will Cheddar got in the game and subbed in really early this week. Um, I'm surprised he's not putting Jace Howard in the game as much. I I, I would like to see Jace get some more minutes just because he's a big body. He rebounds. He plays defense. He's kind of an energy guy. And so it seems like they're trying to figure out before they get into Big Ten play, like what the eight or nine man rotation really is. And uh, we we know who the top two guys are, the top three guys are, right? We know it's Hunter Dickinson, Jet Howard, Kobe Bufkin. Like those dudes are going to ball. We just got to figure out what to do you know, kind of fill in the gaps, the point guard position, some other stuff. But um I I hear you, man. Beeline uh recently inducted into the college football, I'm sorry, college basketball hall of fame, uh, with good reason. He was just the best player developer imaginable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's certainly not a knock to Jawan. Like by no means Jawan has put us in the best post B-line position possible. Oh my God, that was a lot of peas. And uh <laughs> In my opinion, but uh you know, he's uh you know, he's just missing a little bit of uh of that just that certain it factor that uh that those beeline teams had. I mean, they were so like team like it just flowed through the team, you know what I mean? Like the yeah. the passing and uh the distribution and the scoring and everything just kind of flowed on all cylinders and right now it just kind of seems like we're trying to figure out what we can do with our current roster and a lot of that i think you you attribute to uh to the youth of the team and uh and a lot of of turnover and guys going to the league transferring whatever it have you that uh that are skilled that have a lot of potential and again that's not necessarily michigan's fault more just the way that the world is today in the NBA, but just got to find a way to make it work a little bit better and build off of uh, off of that framework and and put a good product on the on the court that wins a lot of tough basketball games.
1: Well, I'm going to make the prediction that this year's Michigan basketball team will will find their way into their sixth straight Sweet 16. I know a lot of people would laugh at that right now talk to me in March. Just talk to me in March because I, I, I believe this team is going to probably win 11 or 12 Big Ten games, um, which is going to be enough to get them a five, six, seven, eight seed in the tournament, and then they can find their way into the Sweet 16. So that's our time for this week. I'm Michael Smeltzer. You can uh, find me at wolverinechronicle.com or on Twitter at Wolverine Cron. Uh, Matt, where can people find you?
0: They can also find me on Twitter at um at uh, Maze crusader also my web blog at uh at maize also just some exciting personal news uh i have joined the team over at Maze and brew as their social media coordinator i'll also be spitting off like some articles for there from time to time so just keep an eye out you can find them on my twitter space or uh or my website, I'm sure, but uh, keep an eye out for that. Very excited. A lot of great individuals there that put out a lot of great Michigan content uh, via their blog, Mason Brew.
1: Congratulations. By the way, we haven't spoken since that happened. Uh, Mason Brew—that's a really, really quality brand, and and I'm you know very familiar and follow a lot of their stuff. Uh, congratulations on that. Moving on up, uh, doing good work. Uh, That is the Big House Bleachers podcast, episode 10. As always, go blue. Go blue.